Hello there, this is your host Atif Ali and welcome to the Everyday Titans podcast. This is a show where we shine the spotlight on entrepreneurs, artists, leaders and change makers within our communities. The focus here is on highlighting their stories and vision for the future. Because remember, inspiration is all around us. This episode, we will be hearing from a seasoned strength coach who is really passionate about building and maintaining the local fitness community as part of the wider business encore within the Cascadia Corridor region. He and his partner have teamed up to be on this quest of helping their community members realize how strong they are and more importantly, how much stronger they are capable of becoming, both physically and mentally. Their philosophy revolves around the idea of resilience and staying positive through tough times. For them, a stronger body does not simply allow you to move more weight around, but it also provides you with the strength to maintain a more anti-fragile body. This in turn feeds into how resilient you become as a person. Let's shine the spotlight on this duo and look at how they are bringing together people within our community as they join in on this quest to become more stronger, resilient, and positive. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. All right, so everyone, uh, we have uh, Jeremy Martin with us today. Um, Jeremy, thank you for being with us um, today and giving us your time. Uh, just, I think we'll just start off with a, a bit of an intro about yourself. I'll let you go ahead and, and introduce yourself, what you do, and yeah, what are your expertise? Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Um, as you said, my name is Jeremy Martin. I'm the loader and head strength coach of a company called Loaded Athletics. Um, and we have been a functioning um, brick and mortar gym for the past year and a half. Uh, but the company started quite a while before that, um, just with me being a strength and conditioning coach, um, a weightlifting coach, powerlifting coach. Uh, that, that would be, as you said, my, my expertise would be in the barbell coaching kind of arena. Um, but I've been able to work as a personal trainer, a strength coach, um, a sport coach, kind of all different levels of coaching and, and have now applied that to this, this business we call loaded athletics. Cool. Um, yeah. So it, I think the one question like right on the back would be about, you know, how, or like, why, why did you sort of start with uh, yeah. this, this sort of work? Um, yeah. It, um, it started quite early for me. I, uh, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where fitness was a, a, a big thing and sports and athletics were, were part of my life and, and my family's life. And my dad was really into lifting weights. He still is. Um, and he was a power lifter when he was in school. And so we had a gym in our basement and I would watch him since I was a, a little kid and just be in awe with how much weight he could lift and how strong he was. And so when the moment came where I thought, you know what, I want to try this stuff, he, my dad was ready and he brought me into the gym and taught me how to lift. And, um, I loved the idea of being able to shape my body and my body's performance for whatever sport I was into at the time. Cause I was a, a bit of a multi-sport athlete. And one of my favorite times was actually when one season was ending and we were transitioning to another sport and I got to change up my training and figure out new ways to work out in the gym in order to be at my best for whatever sport I was going into. And so as high school was kind of coming to an end, that idea became more clear to me that there's actually a career out there where you could just focus on the gym aspect instead of the sports aspect. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, I took a year off after high school and uh, traveled with my sister through Southeast Asia. And while I was there, I was training with a Muay Thai uh, team. And I thought, what's a way for me to be involved in this and, and be involved in sport in general, but apply my, my knowledge of lifting weights and, and fitness. And, you know, I asked the owner of the Muay Thai camp that I was at, if they have like a strength and conditioning coach. And he said, no, but that's something that they'd always wanted. And that kind of sparked the idea for me of like, I should look into schools and, and ways to get good at this and to get accredited to train people so that their bodies perform at their best. And that it's kind of been that path ever since. Um, so, I'm a, so, so yeah, it seems like that from a very early age, you sort yeah. of had the idea, right? Like that, oh, yeah. like I kind of want to 
do this. Um, so like after high school, like did you go go into university? Did you what, what did you do after that? Yeah. So after after my year off, um, I applied for a uh, diploma of human kinetics. Um, so I grew up in Kelowna and the closest sort of school I found that I didn't want to stay in town. I wanted to kind of get out and um, flex my independence a little bit, but not too far. So I found a place in, uh, in North Vancouver, Capilano University, and they had a diploma program. And in my mind at the time, I was like two years that's more than enough. I'll know everything I need to know by then and I'll be able to start my career. Um, so that was the original plan. Go to Capilano, do a two-year diploma, get my accreditation. Um, of course, in my 19-year-old mind, I, it was just a formality. I didn't really need to learn too much. I was already, I was already a great strength coach in my mind. Um, so I, and that's where it all started. Went to North Vancouver, um, went to Capilano University, uh, I ended up staying there for three years just to get all the credits that I wanted and then transferred to UBC um, to do a, a direct transfer to finish a full bachelor's degree in uh, kinesiology. And then as soon as that ended, I was about to take some time off and, and kind of figure life out. And then I was lucky enough to be offered a scholarship to do a master's degree in kinesiology. So what started as a two years and done ended up being six or seven years of, of straight schooling and, and a master's degree at the end. But um, I'm very lucky in my path for, for every time it felt like I was kind of out of one room, the door to the next room just kind of opened itself for me. And so um, there wasn't a lot of me having to, you know, push my way through or, or stop and figure things out because it, it seemed like a lot of the opportunities kind of presented themselves or, um, or someone would kind of make a suggestion to, to send me in the, the right next direction. Um, so, so you talk about like how um, you, at least young you used to think that, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe just credentials and um, a lot of the certifications, I guess, uh, or like just formality, but yeah. you said that, that that was a bit of a naive thought. Um, yeah. What exactly do you think um, that sort of, um, like those were years of education you know, helped you with, or what was the benefit that you got? Uh, yeah, that? I, you know, it's an, it's an interesting topic and it's in my field anyways, um, it's still hotly debated. There's a lot of this whole experience versus education debate. Um, and in my mind, the, the real answer is somewhere in between those two. Um, so much so that when I wrote my, my thesis to, to graduate um, from my master's degree, I wrote it on a concept that I call um, informed intuition. And it's the idea of taking your education and combining that with your experience to develop a level of, of knowingness and intuition that helps you be a coach um, kind of in the moment. Because it's, it's one thing to have all the textbook knowledge, but if you haven't seen how that knowledge is applied to a human body or an individual person, then it, it isn't really effective to have. But on the other end, if you have all of this experience working with people, but you don't know the, the foundation to what you're doing and, and why you're doing it and the physiological processes that you are applying to people, then you know, you're, you're also kind of up the creek without a paddle. Like it's, I, I really think that there should be a combination and that's why I called it informed intuition. It's the idea of taking all of the learning that you have, whether it's on the field or in the gym or whatever it may be, plus the, the foundational knowledge that you have taken the time to, to accumulate and using that to develop your skills. Um, so for me, a lot of it may not have even been the, the direct classroom learning because there were definitely, as everyone says in their degrees, right? There were classes that you just kind of phone in um, and you know, certain like, let's say math classes or something that the teacher can do whatever they want to try and convince you that you're going to need this later in life. But I've never done a quadratic equation since the last time I, I wrote it in a test. Right. And so that's, there, there are certain things that, that you can say, you know, this was unnecessary, but at the end of the day, it, for me, it was a building block and there's no part of my education that I would, uh, that I would trade in. It, it led me to where I am today. And some of it even is taking advantage of who you're around and, and the opportunities to network because that's such a big thing in business that a lot of people don't take the time to do.
So, so things like that. I mean, you had a lot of sort of, you know, very early experiences in, in your basement uh, back at home and then at university. Were, were there moments or were there, you know, things that you did were, which were surprisingly useful um, for what you do now, which at the time you didn't think were useful. So like, you know, quadratic equations, you know, they are not useful now to you, but were there things which you thought were not useful and turned out to be um, really, really useful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there, a lot of the things that I think about now are things that mentors or, or teachers tried to instill in us. And, and we thought, oh yeah, we don't need that. Like a lot of sort of leadership qualities and stuff like that. Um, you know, one of my mentors is the, the head strength and conditioning coach at um, the University of British Columbia. And I, I, when I got my scholarship to do my master's degree, it was contingent on me working for the strength and conditioning center. So I was a graduate assistant. Um, and so I got to be a strength and conditioning coach to 600 plus athletes at the university level. And for me, that was, that was an incredible experience. It was the most, I think, formative part of my education. Um, and a lot of it was, was on the training side and the nuts and bolts of, of how to program and how to, how to, periodize for for athletes and work within different uh, schedules and within different um, sports and within different seasons and all of that but one of the, the major things I learned was just how to manage large groups of clientele basically um, and also how to manage uh, staffing and and work a system where it doesn't feel like it's just this hierarchy with subordinates underneath but everybody's working together um, and whether you're the brand new student coach in their bachelor's degree or you're the grad assistant with the masters or you're the head strength coach or whatever it may be everybody has something that they can bring to the table and everybody gets a chance to be listened to when they do have something to bring to the table and those are things at the time that I'm not even thinking about because at that time I wasn't picturing myself being a business owner um, so it 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 comes into play way more now than it ever had uh, back then. So why, why did you then, I mean, decide to, you, you could have gone on to just, you know, continue working as a strength coach, I guess, like mm -hmm. independent. Uh, why did you decide to go on to a bit of a business uh, aspect of things? It's, uh, it's kind of funny. It's a bit of a full circle story because I, uh, when I was in my second year at Capilano, I, I had another uh, mentor. He was the one of the professors there and he, he taught the strength and conditioning class, which that was a, a major eye opener for me was, was the, um, the level of career that you could have. Cause he, he taught me about different strength and conditioning coaches and what they were doing. And he was a business owner himself. And, um, and he, he taught me a lot that year and basically took me under his wing. And one thing he had me do was write a 10 year plan. And so I wrote this plan that was, you know, I'm, I'm married is basically a day in your life, 10 years from now, from, from that time. And so, you know, I'm married, wake up with my wife. I think we had, uh, one kid was the plan at that time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we owned a gym. And so I was going into this gym that I owned and, um, was training clients and, and working with athletes and getting my own training in and all of this, this kind of one day of a, of a really great life in my mind. And after that year and, and in the successive years, I kind of shifted my focus, uh, like we talked about, to more um, institutional strength and conditioning. And so for a while, I thought, well, I'll just kind of work my way up in the university system and, and try and get on as a strength and conditioning coach, either at a school or even for a private team or something like that. Because in my mind, business ownership was too risky and it wasn't, there was no security to it in my mind. Um, and it's funny because people around me saw the business ownership side of it long before I did. Even my wife's, uh, father told us when we were early on in school and we worked, we worked together really well in school because we, we both took the same classes. I met my wife in, um, our degree program at Capilano and we transferred to, to UBC together. Um, so we took a lot of same classes and we had a system where I would, not write notes. That's not really the system is just, that's how I was, but it worked in the system. Um, so I wouldn't take notes. I would just listen and I'd try and absorb the knowledge and try and conceptualize it. She is the furiously 
uh, organized individual in our in our marriage and so she had a, notes that were perfectly verbatim for what the teacher had said and she had this photographic memory for that so we would combine our abilities where she would you know list fact fact for fact everything that had been said and i would then apply it to the concepts that we were trying to work on and and together we both did quite well in school she did a lot better than me but that's that's for another day uh, <laughs> but um people saw that and they said you know uh, tara's dad said you you guys should run a business together and both of us were like no like that's you know neither of us had that uh, in our minds at the time um and then come to now and and we are that's our sole uh, source of revenue as a as a family is the gym that we own and the business that we own and we have as as everything else we have a system for how we run it together um but that was a bit of a, an aside so you know as i was working my way up and working in the university system i realized that security in these careers is kind of what you make it um and it's it's almost more secure to be in charge of your own destiny by having your own company than having someone else in charge of your destiny when you work for something else and i saw that when you know, big time sport coaches were hired at the university and they could have had the negotiating power to just bring their own strength and conditioning staff and replace the one that was there. And that happens all the time at, at institutions because the draw of sports is always going to be um, considered greater in value than the, the training of the athletes. Um, because it's it's something that's relatively unseen to the public eye. It's not something that's supported as much as a, a good coaching staff and a winning team. So, you know, we were lucky while we were there that that never occurred. And um, our head strength coach is so good and so effective at UBC that everyone saw the value in him pretty quickly. And, you know, we had data to back up how effective his programming was and how effective our coaching staff were. But um, it was a big realization for me that um, the glory of, you know, just being a hired strength and conditioning coach. And in my mind, it was like, all you have to worry about is coaching people. And the reality is that when you're in a role like that, a ton of your time is spent on the computer, just communicating with people. And a lot of the coaching has to be doled out to other coaches because you just don't have the chance to be on the floor as much. So, you know, I'm in a position now where, yeah, I do a, a decent amount of administrative work and I'm, communicating with people all the time and I'm trying to network and grow the business. Um, but my wife takes care of so much of the, um, the behind the scenes stuff that I get to be on the floor basically as much as I want. And, and my primary job is just to coach and to coach as, as well as I can. Yeah. So it, um, yeah, it's, it seems like even though you, you had a lot of um, good experiences, uh, you know, institutional experience, personal experiences, um, I, I'm sure like, wasn't like super easy for you even to to go ahead and you know just to dive right in and mm -hmm. just start your own gym right so just how tell us a bit about you know what 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 was those you know like what were those initial days like what were right. know, what were the doubts i mean I'm sure yeah. you had your doubts you had your issues well, of course. so yeah, yeah tell us a bit about the early days yeah the i think the hardest part for us process wise was um finding a space here in vancouver that's suitable for a gym um, and I know my, you know, just by circumstance, so many of my friends now and my acquaintances are gym owners and, and coaches themselves. And so I know a lot of them can attest to this process in the city of Vancouver specifically, where the spaces that you look at that you think would be perfect for a gym, um, the city doesn't allow them to be in there because of zoning, um, zoning issues. So uh, you know, industrial spaces, you know, you picture a place where people can lift heavy weights and drop them from overhead and, you know, clang and bang with their, with their training and, and not disturb anyone. And you picture these warehouse type spaces or industrial spaces and in a lot of other cities and municipalities, that's exactly where they are. And, and everybody's happy there. But in Vancouver, those spaces are reserved for only uh, production or distribution. So, you know, it's, it's the city's way of ensuring that there is more growth in sort of tech and production. And, and I understand that um, so they're trying to reserve those spaces for people that are trying to grow um, and, and 
build more more things in the city. But at the same time, it leaves companies like mine to um, only really open gyms in mixed use spaces. So we end up in retail. Um, and if you know, if you think about retail, like the last thing I want to do is have my weightlifting gym beside like a, a glass shop or a jewelry store, or, you know, um, you know, a scented candle store or something like it's, uh, it's not a good mix. And, and even worse is having residents living right above you because noise and vibration travels up in a lot of these buildings. Um, so us, for example, we actually do live in a mixed use built or we, we reside in a mixed use building. And so our gym is under, uh, four or five floors of, of residential space. Um, and we're just very lucky that the way that the building was built is on a very solid concrete foundation. It's a concrete based building. So there's not as much travel. And then we spent a huge amount of time and money building flooring and platforms that, um, reduce vibration and reduce the travel of the vibration. So, um, you know, I always touch wood when I say this, but we've been in for a year and a half and we haven't had a single resident complain about um, noises or vibration. And that, that was a huge, I, I don't think there's any way for me to overstate how big of a concern and an issue noise and vibration was for us before we moved into this space, because I've trained clients out of four different spaces before that. And all of them ended up with very angry uh, co-tenants and, um, and some, some pretty strict rules for us, which, you know, I did everything I could to try and accommodate. And, and, you know, we would buy special padding to drop our bars onto. We would, we would avoid dropping at specific times. Um, but the nature of the training that we do in terms of a, a safety precaution is that weights do have to be dropped uh, at certain times, especially for Olympic style weightlifting. Um, and so the, the biggest thing for us was we can't, we can't compromise. And, and it, it was well over a year of searching for a place where we didn't have to come up with some major solution to the noise. It was, it was, you know, let's build a floor that works and then let's give our clients the freedom to train the way that they should be able to train. Yeah. That's, 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 that's really surprising that like yeah. finding, a, finding a place is the hardest thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I wouldn't have imagined that. <laughs> um, well, so you had a bit of, I guess, like a, a network uh, within the industry. Um, did you did you know, you know, how to, I guess, run run a business in the beginning, or how did you like, yeah, how did you learn that, you know, sort of like the business aspect of things? And maybe from you, you touched on a bit of your sort of experience at, at EBC, but I feel like there's things which you know, sort of come up and then you're like, oh, yes. Like, yeah. So how, um, how did you manage to go through that? A lot of it, a lot of it has been learning as we go. Um, but the nice thing about being a trainer and a coach is you, you'll naturally get people into your life and into your space that are uh, experts at certain things. And if you, if you cultivate a really good relationship with those clients, then um, they will want to see you succeed and they will want to help you. So, you know, I have one client that I've had for, I guess, six or seven years now. He's one of my first clients. I was training him at his office gym for a long time. And, um, you know, he's seen me through a lot of phases in my life. He's a very successful business person himself. And um, he, he loves, problem solving and he loves kind of putting himself in people's shoes in a business aspect. And so if anything ever came up, um, he's one person that I knew that I could talk to and ask advice on. And, um, you know, he's helped steer me in, in the right direction and he's helped, um, you know, there were certain business dealings that I almost got into and he was one of the people that was nice enough to say, you know, I don't think you should do this and here's why. Um, and, and I've got, you know, a few clients since then that have been part of the process. So, you know, I have one client who owns an accounting firm and so they've helped us with, um, you know, incorporating our business. Actually, we had another client who was a, a tax lawyer. So they, they helped us with our incorporation and then the accounting client helped us with, you know, getting our taxes all set up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all about at the end of the day, it's about who, you know, and, and who's willing to help you. And I think if you're, 
if you genuinely care about the success of your clients, then they will very genuinely care about the success of you and your business. And um, so we've built this network of people that are very supportive of us. We have another client who's a professional bookkeeper. And so she has helped my wife with, um, with the bookkeeping of the business. And, you know, we, we know that we have these people that we can ask for help and, and pay for help if we, if we need their services. And, and there's this, um, there's this relationship of, of give and take that happens. That's um, it's been really, really amazing to see because a lot of people will offer their help without the expectation of anything in return. And that's, that's really cool. Um, we have a very supportive community in our, in our business. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's something I think I've, I've always um, um, like, I'm not a big part of, you know, the, the local gym communities. I just go, you know, to the, the normal, um, you know, run of the mill gyms, but yeah. I've, 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 I was always, I think um, the, the communities around uh, these sort of um, smaller um, privately owned gyms, um, I see is, yeah. and um, I think it, it's, it's, their value, value proposition as well to their customers is yes. quite different. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I guess you guys have such close knit communities because mm -hmm. your customer knows or your client knows that, you know, that I'm going to get this specific thing. And then you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that is my um, role here. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So what is the, um, for, for loaded athletics, what's the, mm -hmm. you know, the service or what's your, you know, grand vision or what is the differentiating claim? You know, what, what, yeah. do, you, what do you offer that, you know, no other gym does or what's your vision here? Right. Yeah. I am. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we bring to the table as a company and, and that's, um, you know, everywhere from myself as the head coach to um, our assistant coach, Gustavo, to my wife, Tara, and, and a lot of our clientele now is um, we have experience and it's, it's a, broad level of experience to the point where I'm confident that we can train almost any client for whatever goal they may have. And I also think that we may shape people's goals once they come to the gym, you know, you get people who come and they're, it's a gym and it's the fitness industry. And a lot of the time, the, the number one or the separating factor for people to get started is an aesthetic goal, right? They want to change how their body looks, summer's coming up or whatever it may be. They want to make a little change, vacation or whatever. Well, pre-COVID vacation, but um, you know, it, and that's, that's fine because that's the major motivator for most people. And uh, what we tend to see happen though, is people come to us with those goals in mind. And then they realize that the intrinsic value of training and improving what your body can do and is capable of is much more rewarding than the outer goals that you may have. And that's not to say that those outer, go outer goals aren't still reached and surpassed because we're happy to help people with physique goals just as much as we are with um, physical goals, but they're going to go hand in hand. We're not here to take measurements or, you know, track your body weight or your body fat or anything like that. Um, we're here to help you appreciate what your body is capable of um, and then see the results that you can get beyond even those sort of short-term uh, physique goals that you may have. So for us, uh, you know, I've, I've competed as a, a strong man, a power lifter, a weight lifter. I was a mixed martial arts fighter. I did high level football, basketball, and rugby, and I've trained for all of those and I've trained people in all of those. Um, Beyond that, you know, I did CrossFit. Um, I am certified in, you know, functional movement screening. Um, I've worked extensively with some kettlebell people. You know, I've basically tried to educate myself in any modality that I can so that I know no matter what someone's limitations, you know, um, their preferences are, I've got a way to train them and I've got a way to make them feel better when they're leaving the gym than when they came in. Um, and that goes for our other coach, Gustavo, as well. I'd say he's one of the only people in Vancouver that I feel is almost more experienced than me. And there is so much that I can learn from him because a lot of his specialties aren't my specialties. And so we complement each other very well. So how many, how many uh, people do you guys have on your team so far? So it's just the three of us. It's, it's myself, it's my wife, and it's Gustavo. Um, 
you know, one of our big things is growth at the expense of quality is not something that we intend on doing. Um, we're not here to just keep hiring and, and keep, especially now with, with capacity limitations and, and the safety of our clients being the first um, concern of ours, we're not here to just expand exponentially and, uh, and sacrifice quality because of that. Because as I said, my favorite thing is to coach. And so I want to be coaching as much as I can. I'm not the type of business owner that, that opens a business so that they don't have to work anymore. I, I don't just want to hire a staff and then manage that staff. Um, the, the goal is to have, you know, when we do add more coaches to our staff, it's to have people that are of the same or capable of achieving the same uh, level of quality coaching that we, our clients have come to expect. So we keep it, we keep it small. Um, and you know, our space isn't huge either. Uh, so our, our big thing right now, um, especially given the, the time that we are in is, um, minimizing the amount of traffic coming through the gym while also giving people as many options to get the training that they're expecting uh, in at the same time. So what's the, what's the sort of uh, clientele that you usually get? Uh, is it, you know, mostly like super, you know, like professional um, mm -hmm. athletes or do you get like people who are who just, you know, come in with a certain, you know, physique in mind, as you said, um, yeah. but what's the, what's the, the extremes that you guys get? Yeah, we, uh, I, we've had every reach of the spectrum uh, in our gym and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, we've actually, now we've started gaining clients because they watch our, our Instagram stories and the number one thing that jumps out to them is the diversity within our clientele. Um, because I, I think it really shows how welcoming of a community we are. Um, and we've tried very hard to not sort of pigeonhole ourselves into any specific group or any specific style of training. So we have everything from, you know, I've trained one girl since she was seven years old. Um, and uh, I've also trained someone who's now 67 and I've, I've been training him for the last six or seven years. Like it's, there's every age group, every profession, um, every focus. So we have national level and international level strength sport competitors in, in both Olympic style weightlifting and powerlifting. Um, we, I have a, a player on the national team for sevens rugby right now. He's a world level rugby player. I've had Olympic caliber wrestlers in the gym um, for sessions. Uh, and then, like I said, at the same time, we have people who are, you know, just coming off having a baby and want their bodies to recover adequately and, and to get back into the shape they were in prepartum. And it's, um, it's a, it's a really mixed bag. And I, I, the only thing that I want is for it to stay that way and, and get even more um, diverse. Because it, for me, it, it sharpens every tool I could have as a coach, um, but it also gives our clients exposure to, you know, every every walk of life, every training style, and and it gives them more access to different ways to uh, work with their bodies. So I'm just curious, like, is you have such a um, like varied uh, clientele? Um, mm -hmm. What's the because I believe like. Yeah, once we have that much variety in, in the in the clients and, you know, the, the needs are going to be different. Um, mm -hmm. What are the things that you think are, are generally, you know, that, hey, like, you know, you need to take care of this, this and this for pretty much like most goals, you know, like what are the, yeah. the basic sort of uh, pillars of you trying to, you know, get in better shape or being a bit more active or. Absolutely. That's a great question. And uh, I'm glad you asked. The number one thing that we um, we go for it's kind of our, our lowest hanging fruit. It's our, our most important um, base of our our foundation is movement quality. Um, so you know if we think of basic patterns like a, a squat, um, you know a hip hinge, push pull those kind of things. Even even walking mechanics um, we call that locomotion things like that those are the things that we break down first, no matter what someone's goal is, because even like, for example, sports like powerlifting, people train for them like, like professional athletes. It is, it's all encompassing. It's, it's a consuming um, pursuit, but it is not a paid sport. There are very few people who actually make a living being a powerlifter. It's a, at the end of the day, it is, um, 
for lack of a better term, it's a hobby that people have to pay to participate in. You know, they pay me to coach them, they pay the organization to be a member, and they pay every time they enter into a competition. So even if they're going to nationals, they're paying to get there. They're, they're paying their way to be, to try and be a national champion at this sport. And everyone has accepted that. Um, but for me, one of the biggest focuses is if, if they have to work, you know, a regular job and they have to live 23 hours out of the day, not being a power lifter, cause you know, their training is going to be one, maybe two hours a day. Um, I'm going to make sure that they are healthy for those other parts of their lives because the, the worst thing is for someone to be really strong sitting down and standing up with the bar on their back, but has trouble walking up a flight of stairs because their, their body is so sore or their range of motion is so crappy that they can't, they can't adequately move their bodies through space. To me, that's a failure um, as a coach. And it's, it's, you know, to some extent a failure as an athlete as well, because at some point that sport is going to end. And um, there's a lot of digging out of that hole that can happen if you don't take care of your body uh, in the beginning. And I think one of the best things that we've been able to prove on the competitive side is that you don't necessarily take away from performance if you spend some energy working on just movement quality and overall health. So when I work with competitive powerlifters or, or Olympic weightlifters, um, there's a lot of what they're doing in their programming that looks similar to what our, our general strength and fitness clients are doing because it's something that I think is effective for everyone, no matter what their goal is. Where, where do you think, um, um, like just your person's relationship with you know, food and nutrition, how much do you think that that plays or, yeah, what's, what's that? Do you, I, do you also have a lot of, you know, like clients where you, you keep that in check as well? Or it's, um, I think a lot of times in our industry, nutrition is, um, it's underlooked in terms of the expertise required to, to provide, um, provide guidance on it. Um, I, I know people who are performance nutritionists and, and work specifically on the side of nutrition and, and it requires an education that is, you know, greater than mine. Um, so I have a hard time when I see personal trainers who may not even have a, a basic science background and they are offering meal plans or you know diet recommendations and you know i'm happy to provide advice i have some very um i have i have a pretty vast experience especially in the side of um you know for for competitors who are maybe trying to get into a weight class that they need to get into so they have to do a, a weight cut while maintaining their strength level or those kind of things um, and i have health related advice for clients, you know, if they're saying, okay, so if I go to a restaurant and, you know, I had to choose between this, this, and this, and I can say, okay, well, here are the things that you can kind of look for. Here are the qualities of ingredients that you want to have. You know, if it's between fats, proteins, and carbs, you know, what's the most important thing I should look for? And I can kind of give a breakdown on that, but I am in no way qualified to write someone a meal plan because I'm not a nutritionist and I don't have any certifications on that side. And what we try and instill in our clients is um, not using food as necessarily a, uh, a reward or uh, food shouldn't necessarily be a reward system and exercise shouldn't be a punishment system. Um, I, I, I don't like the idea of, oh, you know, I ate this, so now I have to do X amount of this because suddenly exercise in your brain is, is a bad thing. It's a thing you do when you've done something wrong. And I love the fact that our clients, we sometimes have to tell them, you know, you don't sign up for two classes in the day. I know you really want to do both of the classes and you enjoy them, but um, they're not necessarily designed for you to do two of them. And for me, that's a great sign that people aren't doing this because they feel like they have to. They're really like coming to us because they want to and they enjoy it. And I think it's the same thing on the food side, but kind of flipped. If, if you only give your body things that, you know, you enjoy food wise when you think you've earned it or whatever, then it can cause a really weird relationship with food. And, um, at the end of the day, like we should be making sure we're getting enough nutrients to be healthy. 
And then we can kind of decide what wiggle room we have in terms of, of foods that we truly enjoy. Um, yeah, so with all this, like, I'm, I'm just a bit curious as to like, what, because there's, you know, just a whole plethora of like advice I would care for people, you know, just a, mm -hmm. just a normal person like me and like, okay, you know what, like, let's say if I want to get a bit more fit, I'm going get, to get a bit more active, you know, mm -hmm. there's just so much out there on the internet, especially, right? I'm just curious as to what your advice would be in terms of, you know, let's say if there's, there's just, you know, normal, you know, person works nine to five job yeah. and just wants to, you know, treat their body a bit better and make, make their, you know, mental and physical health. Um, yeah. Take it up to the next level. What would be, would be your advice as to like, you know, just basic things to do. What, what are the simple things that you can do that can change a lot? Um, one, one huge change that has, you know, no, it doesn't have a financial barrier. Uh, the time barrier isn't, isn't huge. Um, and I find that it's very effective for people regardless of their uh, fitness level is just walk more, right? That's, it's so easy and, and people take it for granted, but everybody now has a pedometer strapped to their hip because every phone has that uh, measurement and it tells you how many steps you, you're taking. And if you set a goal, of, you know, or, you know, what's even better is I find sometimes these blanket statements are a little bit frustrating. Like the, the number that everybody throws around is 10,000 steps. If you're coming from a day to day, especially now when ever, most people are working from home and you look at your phone and you're like, I took 62 steps today. Um, 10,000 is going to seem insurmountable. It's going to seem like a lot. So start with whatever your baseline is. Look at your averages. All of these phones have data that um, break down. Uh, at least I know iPhone does, and I'm sure the other, the other smartphones do as well, where it'll tell you what your weekly average is. So how many steps are you taking per day averaged over a week? Look at that. And if it's 1,000, next week, try and get 2,000. The week after that, try and get three. And try and build yourself up so that you're on your feet and you're moving your body more. That's number one. And honestly, I have, I have clients who are, you know, I have athletes who are high, high level lifters and they're trying to figure out what's a way to reduce their soreness um, or just kind of get their bodies moving, but not take from their training. And I, it's the same advice I give them is walk more, you know, take half an hour at the end of your day and just go for a walk around your neighborhood. Cause you know, one word that you use when you ask this question, that's I, I think is incredibly important is mental health. And, you know, putting on a podcast or just being out in the world, maybe even having a loved one with you and going for a nice walk and just enjoying being outside for a little bit is hugely beneficial. Um, and so that's one way that I think everyone can immediately improve their health and wellness, um, both physically and mentally. And then the next steps from there, um, a lot of it depends on, you know, your, your financial barriers or you know, right now, even if you feel comfortable going into a place or if you want to stay at home, um, but finding a coach, finding someone who can work with your body and your needs is, in my opinion, one of the best investments that you can make because, you know, no exercise program, you know, no, I hate to dog on it, but no, like P90X or anything like that um, <laughs> is, is going to, th those are meant to cast a really wide net. And if a few fish kind of fall out along the way, it's fine because they've caught enough, right? So people get hurt often doing that or they just don't enjoy it. They don't look forward to it. And the amount of time and money that you invested in that could have easily been put into having someone work with you personally. And if you don't enjoy the person that you're working with or if you don't find that it's working, they don't have to be the last person that you work with. I find that people are often they end up sticking with a coach, even though it's not working for them. And it's, to me, it's, it's any other business. If the coach isn't, if there's, if there's not a match, then you should find a match because you are investing a lot of money and you are investing a lot of time. And at the end of the day, you're the consumer. So you have the right to choose who you work with. Um, and I have no problem recommending coaches that I know in my network to people who may not find that our service works for them because I know that's just going to come back around at some point and I'd rather see that person get the treatment that they deserve or get the service that they want than um, them have to you know 
kind of just deal with whatever situation they're in. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's, um, let's, let's switch your gears a bit towards, um, I guess, like your um, sort of like more about your, your personal sort of business aspect of things or, mm-hmm. you know, what, 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 what you think that, you know, things you talk about mentors, you talk about the network. Um, um, it seems like that your, your wife, Tara, is, is a very big part of um, what, what you have achieved and what you're trying to do uh, mm-hmm. uh, going into the future. What do you think is the most, um, you know, like if you were to pick, you know, the most important thing uh, for you um, for this uh, sort of journey that you've had, uh, what would that be and, and why? Um, I, I can say with full confidence that uh, meeting Tara and deciding to do this business together was by far the most instrumental reason why we're here now. Um, you know, I, I think about it all the time and, and we, when you start a business with a partner, even if it's not a, a, a relationship partner, you know, even if it's just someone that you've decided to partner up with in a business, it starts amicable like the, it has to right you, you start a business with someone it's because you think you two will work well together but if you do it intelligently you will have you know you'll have paperwork and you'll have agreements based upon what happens if this doesn't work and it a lot of people have a hard time with that idea when you're in a couple and when you're in a relationship because the last thing you want to do is picture a time where you're not working well together right but with the two of us you know, we were smart about that. We have all our, we have all our, you know, legal paperwork and everything for if that scenario ever were to happen. And so you eventually start to think about what would it be like if that were to happen? And for me, I know that I would have to hire probably four or five different people just to cover all the roles that she does. Um, and, and they probably wouldn't do it as well as she does. Like it's, it's a level of efficiency that I've still not fully comprehended. Um, and there's a definite love on her end of a lot of the things that she does. She loves being behind the scenes. She loves doing a lot of the organizational work that um, it just so happens that I despise. <laughs> I hate it. I can't, I can't even, I can't bother to push myself to do any of that stuff. And the great thing is, is that we're very, open to each other about which parts of the business that we want to be involved in and which parts of the business that we don't and that we want the other one to cover. And it's worked very well that, um, you know, Tara has a degree in kinesiology. She's worked as a personal trainer, um, but it's not something that she enjoyed and it's not something that she wanted to pursue. And so she's very happy with me being the person on the floor, handling the coaching and, and being the, the, um, director of our training. Um, and I'm, I'm horribly bad at bookkeeping. I'm horribly bad at tracking. I'm horribly bad at many things. When I was in charge of billing my clients, when I was just a a private personal trainer, clients would have to tell me that I forgot to bill them, or they'd have to tell me that I undercharged them because I, I was just so bad at it that I probably lost 10,000 or more dollars of just unbilled clients that I, that I would just forget to do. So Um, you know, it's not just, it's not that I think that everyone should work with their partner. I think you, you really have to have a partnership that, um, complements what each other does. Um, I think it would be much harder for us potentially if we both wanted to be trainers and we ran the business together, um, because there'd be a whole lot more stepping on toes and there'd be a whole lot more of us being in each other's spaces, both physically and, um, occupationally. Um, but it just so happens that we have, very complementary interests in the business and and it's worked very well for us i guess for you it was a you talked about you know the 10-year plan that you wrote um in in in, in your diploma program um yeah so i guess it was a it's a bit of a planned venture for you but i mean I'm, I'm sure you had moments where you still had to take a bit of a you know just just dive in and you had mm-hmm. were there moments where you had to just you know go for it and you're like you know what it's fine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there were moments where I didn't know what the next day was going to look like. Um, You know, one of the gyms that I was working out of before we found our space, we we were in the process of looking 
and um, I was training clients out of a, a different gym space. And um, it ended up that the owner of that gym had sold the gym and um, it was on a relatively short notice. And so um, I basically had to figure out in less than a few weeks where to move my clients because we hadn't found a gym space of our own yet. And at that point I had developed a pretty big client load and, and a pretty regular clientele. And so I had a, a pretty decent amount of equipment too. So for me, it wasn't just, you know, call the next studio and say, yeah, I'm a personal trainer. I've got clients that uh, I'd like to move in. It's, Hey, I've got this weightlifting platform and most of my clients are lifting heavy. You know, do you have a 10 by 10 block of space that I can just kind of drop my stuff into and start working? And not every gym has that. I was very lucky that um, I have a friend uh, named Alan Cumberbirch. He owns a, another strength and conditioning company called Yard Athletics. Um, wildly popular gym. They just opened up in, in June, actually. And um, he and I went to school together. And so before he opened this space, he was working out of another space downtown. And I, I called him and I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't have anywhere to go. And he talked to the owner of the gym space he was at and got me a meeting the next day. And, and just like that, we were working out of the same space um, while we were both searching for our own uh, independent gym spaces. So there were moments like that where, uh, like I said, I was very lucky that opportunities kind of led to, to the next door being opened. Um, but in the moment, I, I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know where I was going to be able to bring my clients or if I was going to be able to train my clients or um, if I was going to have to take, you know, two weeks to a month of, of just kind of scraping together whatever hours I could. Um, and when you're, you're building a business and you're fresh out of school, you don't have a lot of wiggle room in terms of finances or time. So um, those, kind of, those kind of moments were scary. Uh, even just signing the lease for this gym space and, and deciding to go for it, because you, you can spend your life wondering if it's the right time or the right opportunity. And um, at some point, you just have to, you just have to take the leap. Uh, and I, I kind of tell people, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. But if you're looking for reasons that it's not right, then you just might not be ready or you just might be trying to find a way to not take the leap. So you have to really kind of reflect and, and decide, you know, does this look like it can work? How is it going to work? And am I ready for it to work? Because that's another thing that people have to think about is your life is going to change as soon as you open a business and you have to be ready for all of those changes. So I guess on the, on the flip side, I guess the question would be, um, you know, apart from you like trying to like struggling with trying to find spaces, I guess that's a huge issue. Um, mm -hmm. What 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 else has been you know like the biggest difficulty for you um, personally as an as an entrepreneur or businessman? Um, one thing that I had trouble with, and I think it's kind of par for the course, is obviously like work life balance, um, and you know part of that is the fact that we are both owners in the business. So, you know, you're, you're essentially taking your work home with you because half of your work <clears throat> is at home. Um, but the, for the first year of us being open, um, most days I was at the gym from before 7am until after 7pm. Um, there are plenty of 14 or 16 hour days, you know, there are there are issues that come up that you can't just walk away from when it's your space um, and when it's your business. And, you know, even if you're away somewhere, <clears throat> you've got to have your phone ready. You've got to have, you've got to be available because if something comes up or one of your, your other staff or something has an issue, I'd rather be available to help them than find out later about, you know, what emergency may have happened. So, um, that's the big thing that I'm now starting to work on is, you know, not being tied to the idea that I have to be on the floor all the time in order for the business to be successful. Um, there are other ways for us to grow our community and other ways for us to grow than just me coaching all the time. Um, and it's healthier for the business if that's the case, because, you know, especially in this current climate with coronavirus and everything, if, for some reason, let's say there was a potential exposure or something like that, and I had to isolate for a little while, I would like to know that my gym could still run with the staff that we have with our assistant coach. Um, 
without me having to be there. And, um, you know, we had some, we had some times last year where, you know, I had to travel for a competition or something like that. And it was a big step for me to be able to walk away from the gym and, and not just maybe be closed or whatever, and just have our regular hours running and have our clients working with our other coaches and coming back and everybody having positive, um, positive experiences with the other coach and with, with the gym running without me, there was a huge breath of relief because it means that we're building something that isn't solely dependent on um, me being there. So I guess the big part of uh, your job as, as sort of like a, like leader or, you know, the, the, sort of like a visionary here is, is right. to make sure that it's, it's the, the gym is something separate from, you know, you as a person. It's it's more of an entity in itself, I guess. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of showed up in the reviews that we're getting it early on. A lot of the reviews just started with, you know, Jer is X or my experience with Jer has been. And um, I started, you know, I started being like, oh my God, like everyone's going to expect that when they come here, they're going to work with me and I don't have, there's not enough hours and there's not enough of me for that to happen. So um, now, you know, we're getting, reviews that are about loaded athletics and they're about the company and they're about the community and they're about our other coach and they're about um, the style of programming that we have and not just me personally. And, and that's, that's a mark that I'm hoping to continue to kind of leave is if, you know, if in 50 years loaded athletics hopefully is still a thing, it's something that's not necessarily synonymous with me because I'd love for it to carry on even after I'm gone, because I think the system that we are working with, with our athletes, it's not just uh, it's not just a gym space where I can train people the way that I want to train them. It's something that I want to grow as a, as a, a style of gym and a style of community where everybody's welcome and people are introduced to the idea of being strong for the sake of, of being strong and, and, uh, healthy in that sense. Cool. Um, I guess we're yeah running a bit up on our time here, so I guess <laughs> it'll be like last, last sort of uh, bit of question for me. Okay. Um, what what is what would be your advice to anyone out there who's listening? You know, who's you know trying to do something useful, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. someone who's trying to make something, artist. Um, what would be your one advice for people like that? That's a great question. Um, (laughs) One of the big things I'd say is surround yourself with people that inspire you, but also challenge you. Um, It's, it's not just about having, you know, a mentor that kind of, I don't like the whole boss and intern relationship that can happen a lot of times. And it's very common in the strength and conditioning community. But if someone is going to put you in, a position where your skills are challenged. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit, kind of tying back to my, my thesis, the idea of operating at the edge of your abilities. So if someone sees the potential that you have and they challenge you just at the edge of that ability, it's the same way that we train, right? We train with just enough weight that our body has to adapt to lift that weight more efficiently the next time we do it our skills are, are very much the same. So if someone puts us in positions where the first time we do this new task that they have us doing, it's difficult and it takes time and we have to really think it out and then we can really sharpen that tool, then those are people that are invested in your improvement and your success. If you are instead the photocopier and the coffee uh, retriever or whatever those tasks may be, and it feels like those, those are the only things you're being asked to do, then you may not be in a situation that's going to provide growth for you personally or professionally. Um, so I think it's, it's really important to seek out those opportunities to work with people who are going to be invested in your success, but that also has to be a two-way street. Um, I think a lot of times, especially, you know, I'm, technically a millennial. And uh, I think a lot of times in our generation and the generations younger, we expect that to just be provided for us, but we also have to provide a value um, that's reciprocated in someone investing in our success. Um, so my number one is, is always just work hard, um, work hard and be nice. And a lot of times those um, opportunities will come about uh, just from that.
All right. Well, I guess uh, that's a, that's a, I think that's a that's a really good note to end on. You know, work hard, awesome. be nice, and yeah, just I guess networking, knowing yeah. people, um, and trying to help people out, and and move more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just just uh, get moving, and I think yeah. uh, that'll just if you get your body moving, it'll crave more movement as a result of that. So, and then when you're ready, call me, and we'll get you some coaching. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, been a pleasure uh talking with you uh, jeremy um, definitely learned learned a whole lot um <laughs> about about business um i guess yourself and it's really really great to see that you know people like you are out there in the community you know trying to start from you know very on the on the very base level and trying to change stuff and trying to do something cool um right. and yeah we wish you luck and it's thank you very much <laughs>